Coach Edelstein here, your celeb expert and your celeb savant. Celeb Savant is a weekly entertainment show. We have long-form career retrospective type interviews with celebrities, singers, actors, and industry experts. On this episode of Celeb Savant, I'll be speaking to UK singer-songwriter Chris James. Chris has been in the industry for a number of years, having been part of a boy band and then reaching out and starting his own solo career. He's opened up for the likes of Will Young and Anastasia on their European tours, and he's been labeled as the upcoming next big thing in the music industry. Up next on Celebs Event, we've got Chris James. Where do we find you in the world? What's happening in your life and how are you doing? Well, thank you very much. I am excellent. Yeah, I'm currently in the car outside the studio in Oxford because I'm uh, thankfully recording my second record here. So we're on, um, I think we're finishing my second single today, actually. So I've got some backing singers down from London. So uh, they're in currently doing all the BVs and the vocal pads. And so uh, so I'm hoping it's going to be the next single. But we kind of, we've got a four songs to choose from for the next single for kind of the beginning of summertime i think like uh the end of may beginning of june it'll be released hopefully so that's where i'm at today so now let's take it rewind all the way back to the chris james story of whatever age that was when you were invigorated and motivated to start recording and being inspired by the music industry well i think always in school i was always kind of like pushed into more of the singing parts within the musicals rather than the kind of lead singing rather than being in the, in, the, in the background like the choir or the chorus so I suppose doing that I quite liked it and obviously I'm from Liverpool so it's quite a musical city with having the Beatles and Phil Black yes. and Jerry Marsden you know all the great so we I was always around music my uncle was a guitarist and so I think leaving primary school going into secondary school I'd kind of already decided I wanted to pursue singing not necessarily songwriting because I don't think I really understood it at that age you know like 12 a lot of artists say they wrote songs in those ages but I I never really got onto songwriting till probably till I, I, I went professional which was kind of being in a boy band you know so going through school again I was always doing lots of musical I did uh, I didn't do so well with all my GCSEs, but I got A stars in music and drama. So I always <laughs> knew my kind of uh, mind was was definitely towards some sort of creativity within the entertainment field. And then and then I, I left school and decided to go to music school. So uh, I did really well there. And then I did a kind of a a degree where if you got an opportunity from a record label, you could leave. So thankfully, that's what happened. I got offered a, a record deal with uh, the guys that did Atomic Kitten at the time. They were like the biggest girl bands, I yeah. think, after the Spice Girls. So they're very exciting. So I, I kind of worked with that label for a few years. That took me to London. I think I, I, I that was when I was very, very young. I was probably about 18. And so I kind of did the band thing in London. You know, you did a couple of years with this band, a couple of years with that band. Nothing seems to have worked out. And I ended up, you know, going knocking on my mum's door every every couple of years, like, I'm home. It's like, oh, God, he's, he's back again, you know. So, I know that feeling. I know so, that yeah, feeling. So, Carry on, yeah. It's, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? But it's like, uh, I, I suppose you always end up going back home, you know. And so um, I kind of decided after like three or four attempts, is it really going to serve me to keep doing this? Because I'm now getting into my early 20s and I kind of need to get <laughs> get something going. So I went back and worked for a bank and then I got a call off a lady who'd found me on at the MySpace, I think. And she said, look, we're putting this band together. 
come to London. I was like, I've just bloody, I've just left London. I'm not going to come back. So um, I went went down, did the audition, and it was with a guy called Charlie Rapino who who looked after Pavarotti at the time, and he he was the guy that kind of helped take Robbie out to take that and kind of develop his career. So we did a band with with them, and that was with Decca Records uh, under Universal, and and you know the fifties vibe, influence kind of heavily fifties. Patsy Klein and all, all the greats, really. But they decided for their 50th anniversary to do, like, uh, Rockabilly Boy Band. and But, of course, you know, we did that for a year and a half. That never worked out. Uh, just just a nightmare. So then I met a guy uh, called Don Pickering who did the band Blue. And he said, look, I'm putting this band together. Um, I need a lead singer because the guy that I did have has gone on X Factor Australia and he's he's on the live shows and so... I said, okay, well, I'd love to do that. So I auditioned for him, and then I got into a band called The Scheme, which kind of proceeded for seven years. And 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 just to the just to the point of really breaking out in America. And then after seven years, the pianist decided he wanted a girlfriend, and he just just decided that he didn't want to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. And so you can imagine, seven years, we got signed by one of the biggest record labels in America. We were we were recording our first album with the guy that did all the Jonas Brothers stuff, and. Demi Lovato, he's called John Fields, and he works in Minneapolis outside of the original Michael Jackson, uh, in the original Michael Jackson recording studio. So it was like a dream come true. And we did half an album with him. And then as I'm at the, the airport, I was getting told by my bandmate, like, I've had enough, it's over. And I'm like, are you kidding me? We've just recorded with like one of the biggest legendary producers. We've been in front of the whole team at ABC Family that basically owned Disney. We were going to be on TV shows. We, were, <laughs> we basically got to the point of where you push your bands, you know, over the yeah. hill. And as you get over the hill, it starts to work. And he just give it up. And I've never seen him since that day. He got on his flight and I've never heard or seen from him since that day. So <laughs> I was stuck with some great songs. And I, I said to the label, look, let's release one of these songs. You've got a legendary producer I wrote most of the song anyway, and they agreed, thank goodness, and that went to, that was top 30, it was like 23 in the charts, which is unusual for me because I was an unknown identity at the time, I was part of a band, you know, so to get a, a top 30 as an unknown identity was really great, and that paved the way for me to have my first album, I've toured the world now and now I'm on my second album, so it's been a hell of a ride. I wouldn't change any of it for the world. I mean, a lot of people that kind of said, you know, did did you wish that the band never really ended or do you wish that it never started because you did kind of effectively use seven years of your, your life to get to that point and then mm. it was it overnight, it disappeared. But I suppose you can't buy the experience, you know. I mean, come on, recording in Michael Jackson's studio, the, the experiences that we had, I mean... I remember as a little boy, I went to Los Angeles and I, my dream was to be signed to Capitol Records. And it's the, you know, the round, iconic record label where yes. Nucky Cole, I mean, they've got Sam Smith now, Adele. I mean, some of the biggest British acts and international. And I always remember it's like on, it's surrounded by security. And I, I, I got an opportunity to go there. And I'd like my, I remember it was tapes and I was like trying to get them into the front door. And the security was like, get away, get away. <laughs> and then, you know, seven years later, yeah. And I'm in Capitol Records singing and in the studios. And it's just like, you keep just believing that one day something will happen. You will, it will eventually happen. And it may not happen to the magnitude that you, you really wanted or you, you thought, but at least it happens, you know? So, so I can't regret anything. And I've had a fantastic time. And now I'm hopefully, you know, this new album that I'm doing is, is, is really, I think my breakthrough record. Yes. I think my last record was 
was great, but it's kind of that thing. Well, the band ended. I had to release one single, mm. and then you release one single, and you have to. Re- the label says, "One, well, but we need an exit. We need the third. We need the fourth. Where's the album?" And so it was a real stressful two years to kind of. We were almost re- writing, recording, releasing. It was that quick because, as you know, artists put a song out when it's three months' work behind, and you've got to think about the next single. So yeah. you kind of have to have it all. Well, we didn't have it. We didn't even have an album. So I was like, oh. So for the first time in my life, I'm like, I, I work in, in Oxford now out of an old chapel and it's amazing with a, a really amazing record producer that did all the Supergrass stuff back in back in the mm-hmm. 90s and the 2000s. And um, it's just relaxed now. We come here every week, Monday, Wednesday to Friday, and we're just compiling the album for next year. But we, we've done we've done two singles uh one single, yeah, two singles off the album, but we're going to put the album out in 2024 and we'll probably put another two songs out this year. God, I've talked a lot, haven't I? But no. Think I, I, would... <laughs> I, I love hearing all these stories. So lots to unpack. So not hopefully, let's say it will happen that this will be your breakthrough album. Number one, I'm putting it out there, sending it to the universe for you. <laughs> I'm Great, looking forward to you. that. Looking forward to that. When you had those many years of slugging it if you want to call it that when you yeah, were, yeah. had had a down day of like is this going to happen when is it going to happen what motivated you to keep on with the movement and slug forward what was it a vision thing what was your inspiration you know I, it's a great question and I, I feel like I just feel like if you know that you're good at something and you mm-hmm. know you can do it and you are good enough you don't have to be the best in anything in in, in this world you just have to be good enough and I knew from the outset that I was good enough to do this. And so even going through school, I never had those kind of like equations of, well, I want to be a fireman. I want to be a policeman. I want to be in the army. I want to be whatever. You know, all my mates were like every year they changed their vocation in life. And my kind of trajectory from leaving school was this is what I want to do. And I'm going to do it till it works. Now, granted, I've done coronavirus hit you know we were all everybody had a terrible time through that but i i decided to create a business so i've got like a a sustainable uh, fashion company now which we make all of our clothes out of plastic bottles that we take out to the sea because i wanted to help solve a problem and not add to it and fast fashion is a nightmare and it just destroys our our environment so i i thought i could just write songs for two years i have got tons of songs so i did a little business idea I, I, you know, I've got a bit of an entrepreneurial mindset. I think you have to when you're in the music business because you've also got to understand it's not just about being famous or being successful. You've got to understand the business and you've got to know there'll be some mm-hmm. dodgy people, there'll be some great people. <laughs> yeah. It's very hard to distinguish who they are, especially yeah. in this business. But I'm sure it's similar in, me- in many businesses. I've always, always known I was good enough and I always knew and I always have to this day that, and I still believe it, that something will give it some point. You know, I've tried for the past six years to get onto BBC Radio. I absolutely love BBC Radio. I think they're amazing. And up until my last single, Home, they just said, no, no, we haven't had a breakthrough song. And, you you know, every no for me is not like, oh, my God, they don't like me. It's like, well, actually, I'm getting closer. I'm getting closer because every time that song comes back, they tell me it's not this or it's not that. And it's like the song that I, my last single, Home, which is which is probably the best song that I've done, in my opinion, um, it's just it's just got that sense of inclusivity for everyone and getting back to people that you you really love and and it, you know especially at Christmas and so we released it 
a little bit too close to Christmas. And of course, it's very difficult to get onto radio, as you know, for Christmas. It's like, yeah. But, you know, they asked for that song three times, Radio 2, and they said, bring it back. We love it. Keep bringing it back. Eventually, they said no, but I've never known the BBC to recall a song three times. I mean, that's a big thing, you know. So I just there's just certain signs that I'm going through with people I'm working with, new people that are coming on board and stuff like the biggest radio, you know, the biggest kind of the, the company that decides whether you sink or, 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 or you swim. I just think you, you just know. I think a lot of people that I know that are, are already established singers or established in business. When you ask that question, they just say, I've always known. I don't know how it was going to happen, but I always intended on it happening. And I think a lot of people, like my ex-band mates, a lot of people lose the patience. And I think you've it, it sometimes it will happen for you in a year, or sometimes it will happen in <laughs> ten years. But if you give up, then it's never gonna happen. So you've yeah. just gotta keep going and and whatever that is for anybody else is I think it's it's down to their own personal belief system. But I just think if you're good enough, you will make it. You just gotta keep going, you know. And I think that's what has always resonated with me. And it's hard sometimes, but Mm -hmm. I also think, you know, I've just finished on tour with Will Young. That was two months. I was on tour for the month of uh, October with Anastasia in in, in Europe. And it's like going onto those massive stages in front of tens of thousands of people as a no, no, nobody really. And by the end of them all waving their hands and screaming and shouting, that's real, you know, and that's what really tells you that you're doing something right. It's actually very good for, releasing songs as well because the bet I was I always watched the audience on each song and, and I was thinking if if we're if we're gonna sing a song that's not released and they go mad, well that's a great indication of what's yeah. gonna work for the next song, you know. And great segue because I was just about to ask you, I saw that you opened for Will Young and Anastasia. So opening up for an another artist or another act, naturally the audience are there for that main act. Did you find it a bit of a struggle or did you find it a challenge to win that audience over by the end of your set? I, I think in, in the more conservative cities, they're very, it's more like, <laughs> whereas in, yes. if you come to Liverpool or Newcastle, it's like, yeah. you know, they all go bad. <laughs> but especially in Switzerland, because very wealthy, you know, Geneva. And I love it there because I love to, I love watches and I, I uh, so to go to, uh, Zurich and Geneva was was amazing, you know, to see all the watch companies and stuff. But that was quite a. It's difficult because I'm from Liverpool and and I I was kind of almost born on a stage. Even when I left school, I was performing on a weekend in some of the roughest pubs in Liverpool, which is the best grounding because when I say rough, I just mean like hearty, you know, loads of lads, loads of families, you know, proper Liverpool you know, hard families. And I think if you can if you can go on a stage where they're not really interested unless there's racing on, horse racing or dogs or football. I, I'm a firm believer that I've I've got a very, very good capability of being able to hold an audience. And uh, for instance, the Anastasia thing was quite funny because you're absolutely right. I mean, I would never say this to Anastasia, but I was going to say, oh, I really, you know, I, I love you. Know, growing up as a boy, I used to listen to you, but I didn't want to do that kind of well, I'm not that old, you know, but <laughs> it's like she is a megastar all over the world. And she has been for 20 odd years, you know, and, and when you go to especially to like Italy, it, it was just like 
I don't know, it was like the second coming, you know, it was like yeah. they were all screaming and shouting. It was unbelievable. But I remember the first night, which I was very nervous, and she was so kind. As soon as I landed, she was like, I, I want to see Chris. And I was like, so so I went and met her, and she was like, oh, my God. You know, she was just so fabulous. Yeah. So I went on stage, and it was the weirdest thing. Like, I went on. So I said, hey, everyone. And then I was like, hello. And then <laughs> I said, okay, my name's Chris. You don't know who I am, but I'm going to warm you up. And, you know, it's like, who's excited for Anastasia? They're all screaming. So, of course, the song starts and I start to sing and there's no noise. There's, there's no vocal. And so within those, like, 20 seconds, the mic's battery had died. So oh, I was goodness. like, oh, my God. But but because I'm used to kind of things going wrong, I knew. So, of course, the, the, the song we start with is naive. So it's got kind of that Caribbean kind of sound mm. drums. And so... Everyone's looking at me. I'm looking at them. And I, so I'm just like, yeah, I'm looking side stage. And, I, and so, you know, you go, come on, everyone. You get everyone clapping. And yes. You kind of get them behind you. So the first show, because we had a problem with the sound, it kind of got the whole audience behind me because I kind of didn't freak out. And I was like, well, we'll have to get another mic. You know, and it's all that. <laughs> yes, so, yes. And then I said, you know what, guys? I went, I, I am one of these people that I cannot just carry on. I said, let's start the show again. You've come to see a show. Let's start the song again. And then instantly... You know, a lot of artists would be panicking and, oh, yes. my God, you know, it's like... But I think things... Live entertainment is fabulous because things go wrong because it's live. Yes. You can't stop. You can't rewind and, re and re record. It's mm. all live. So I feel like, for me, I'm... I'm um, I never worry about it. The only thing... I, I just don't worry about it. I, I, I go on stage with a very open aura, open heart. I'm very inclusive with everyone and I... I absolutely look in the audience to find people that are really interested and I'll home in on them and sing yeah. to them. So, and also because as you can probably tell, I don't shut up. I talk a lot. So I think <laughs> a lot of artists will go on and they'll be like, how many is that? And here's a song. <laughs> yeah. And they go, oh God, they were boring. Why aren't they very boring? I go on and kind of make it a bit more like, How's everyone doing? And, you know, today I went shopping and what a fabulous city. And I'll say a yeah. couple of things about what, what I liked about the city. Mm. And instantly it's like, oh, he's all right, isn't he? Oh, we'll listen to him. So yeah. I've not had a problem yet, but I'm not going to tempt fate. <laughs> <laughs> so when you found out you're going to be pre-to-meeting them, obviously opening for Anastasia, Will Young, the icons in the industry, what was that feeling for you? You obviously were listening to Anastasia as, as a child and growing oh up. God. <laughs> we were like, were you running around the room? Well, Anastasia was the first one to cut. So I, I knew about Will Young because it was we we were very lucky where they they asked for me to support, and we had like eight months in advance, so we were mm. advertised heavily. So it was quite nice. Whereas Anastasia was brought in kind of like October, and I think we were we were told like four weeks before it was like Anastasia needs to support. They love the music. Do you want to do it? I was like, uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> To ask me twice, yes. Yeah. And it was weird because the next day I, I signed a contract and the next day it's like Anastasia wanted to do this video where she calls me and goes, hello. And I go, hello. And she's like, guess who? And I'm like, well, I know who it is, but I'll pretend I don't. I don't know, but the voice sounds familiar. And she's like, it's Anastasia. And I'm like, oh, my God, you know, how are you? And she's like, oh, a little bird tells me that you're coming on tour with me. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, that's right. So, like, their management had done this, like, video where we yeah. filmed it and they split the screen. Yes. And I thought, how amazing is that for her to? And she actually offered to do that. A lot of artists just go, yeah, they're supporting me. It's fine. Like, yeah, they don't get involved. But she yes. was like, she wanted to be you know, like best friends. And I, as I say, the minute I arrive, she's like, wants to meet me. And I just thought, it, it just shows the real mm. stars that when you have yeah. that real love, compassion, and really nothing to prove, 
I find a lot of the people that are, are kind of in it or just about to get in it, they've got so much to prove. And that comes with a character that is maybe sometimes not so nice. But these people that have done it for 20 years and have had hit after hit across the world, it's like they've got nothing to prove. So it's like you're just meeting this tame lion. You know, it's mm. unbelievable the presence that she has and will. But they have a very calm it's like a calming thing. It's just weird. But I, I really love that because I always thought a support acts are just a pain in the arse. They get, they get in the way. Yep. You know, all the crew are like, oh, God, do we have to do? Let's get them on and off, you know. So <laughs> I just felt those two tours I had. I don't know. And I'm because I know that support acts sometimes can be looked at like, oh, get them on and off. It's like yeah. I made my for Anastasia like I went and met her tour manager. I was like, I brought you some Swiss chocolates, you know, enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just like. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I, I like to do that anyway, but I think if you make sure that you add and you don't become a problem, then it's a much easier show. There's nothing worse than going on a stage in front of thousands of people that don't know you, knowing that the crew behind you are like rolling their eyes, like, oh, yes. can we get them off, you know? So my experience has never been that, but a couple of my friends that, that I've said, oh my goodness, you know, it's the worst thing ever. You, you're not treated as a priority and they don't care about you. I had a fabulous time on both tours, and I cannot wait to go on tour this year. I'm I'm looking at something around uh, after the summer and then definitely the end of the year. Yeah, it, it was amazing. And I, and I love touring. Touring is where I really bloom. I, I love the studio, but it can be very repetitive. You know, you write a song yeah. and six weeks later, you're still singing the same song in the studio. It's like, oh, my goodness, get this song on a record, you know. But <laughs> I'm more about meeting people and performance. And yes. I think it's because that's where my kind of career started was with on a performance level rather than in the studio writing, you know. It's interesting because when I first started doing these interviews, you you know, you mentioned about meeting people. And I've had I've had this philosophy before and my friends laugh at me because, you know, in inverted commas, everyone uses two ply toilet paper. No one's got gold plated yeah. toilet paper. Exactly. So when I meet someone like I'm like, this is Chris. Hey, how are you doing? I'm going to talk to you yeah. like my friend. Let's just hang out in, for 30 minutes and let's just chat. And that's how I yeah. interact with everyone. So it, it's lovely to have those experiences where, where even if they do have a bit of an ego or this yes. character that might be negative, I always go and say, Hey, how are you doing? What's happening in your life and how are you doing? And tell me more. And it's, it disarms them and they, that character yeah. dissolves straight away. <laughs> it's interesting to see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I wonder how you get on with Mariah Carey. <laughs> <laughs> Let's put it out there. We'll put it happen. <laughs> she has got gold plated. She's definitely got gold toilets. <laughs> I think gold plated toilet can... paper will be a bit sore. So anyway. <laughs> Hi, absolutely. My goodness. Your journey of a song from zero to the three to four minute song. What is that musical journey? Is it the same every time? Is it easy? Is it difficult? Tell us the Chris James creative process. Well, for me, I write a lot of melodies. I like repetitive melodies because I feel like when people listen to a song, you know, you'll go, oh, you know, that song that goes, dun -it, dun -it, dun -it, you know, or like I was saying this in a, in a previous interview. Um, it's like Bruno Mars, like Uptown Funk. Now, when we go, oh, that's 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 uptown funk, Bruno Mars. So for me, I'll always try to, and I don't even know how it happens. It's just God gift. I think God has given it to me because I've never been trained how to write songs. I never pr proceeded to like. To, to, I never. I would never self-proclaim that I'm the the most amazing songwriter, but I do have the ability to really capture in my mind like the most repetitive 
kind of real hooky sounds. Mm. And so generally for me, I like to work with my one of my really good friends who's a guitarist. And if he's playing melodies on his guitar, I'll then hum or sing other melodies over it. Yeah. And so sometimes we'll just make a song like as a songwriter, you know, there's a formula to a song. You know, you start with an intro, you have your first verse, then the bridge to the chorus, you repeat that. Then you have a middle eight, which is kind of the synopsis of the songs, which I like to kind of let, it's almost like, yeah, it's like that's what all that song meant in those eight lines at the end. And then you finish with a, a double chorus. So knowing the formation of the song, I will make melodies. So, okay, this is the verse melody. This is the bridge. And then let's get a really great melody for the chorus because that is the repetitive hook in the middle of the mm -hmm. song, which people generally love. So that's how I write from a formula. But then if I've just broke up with someone or I'm dating someone or I'm, I'm, I generally I'm a very emotional person. So I think as human beings, we all have a similar experience, whether it's happy and sad in love or like I've just wrote a song now because dating someone that it didn't work out. And the song is hopefully going to be the next single. And it's, it's about catching feelings with someone. But actually, the chorus is like, you know, I've caught feelings, you know, but the sun shines, but it rains inside. And it's like saying that on the outside, it looks great. But actually inside, I'm in quite a lot of pain. I suppose it's because the relationship is maybe you want it to work so much, but but you, it's just not happening. And so you put on a brave face, but mm. it, deep down, you know, and, and eventually you have to get out of that because you have to choose your own happiness instead of trying to keep two people happy. So it's, um, if it comes from a breakup, I find that they just go out like 10 songs a day and I'm like, you're going to hate this album because it's all about you. <laughs> <laughs> I remember speaking to a friend of mine who was in, uh, he's, a, he's an actor and he was on a set with Adele's ex-partner. Okay. <laughs> the one that the album was about. And he's like, you know what? I just, everywhere I go, we haven't been together for like 10 years. And everywhere I go, whether I'm in a supermarket or I'm sh I'm out with mates in a pub, one of the songs will come on. And I know that's about me. And it's like a lot of people write about their exes or their, their current partners or their friends and family. So I try to write about my experiences, but also make it very relatable to for everyone else. Mm. Sometimes Stuart writes the lyrics. Sometimes I do. Sometimes our producer gets in. But generally, we we work as a as a, a trio: producer, guitarist, and then me as the singer songwriter. And it it works really well. I've never been one to write a song. You do all these writing camps with ten people, and I'm like, it. I don't know how that happens because you you've got already three heads with three of their own. Yeah. set ways and maybe three egos we've all got an ego yeah. but for me i always want it to be what's right for the song because as i said i am i'm very authentic when i write songs but i also understand that i'm writing for you guys to listen to so i want to make sure that even though it, they are my experiences there will be some songs about let's just go out and have a party on friday night like i've just wrote a song called party and again it's about being dumped like you're just being dumped again Yes. But it's Friday night. You're never going to be this young again. So just go out and party, you know. So sometimes it's just fun. Like, you've been dumb. So what? Get out. You're, you're never going to be as, as young as you are today. So go and have a great time and enjoy yourself. So I think all my songs are all very uh, relatable. And I think that's so important for me because selfishly writing just about me, I'm trying to do a collaboration with with everyone, you know. Yeah. I'm going to put you on the spot. I love playing this game. The recipients normally great. don't. I know if <laughs> I had to ask you this question in... Two minutes, two days, 20 days. I know your answer would be different each time. Yeah. You had to give me your top five go-to songs by other artists in this moment. What would they be? Ooh, <laughs> what a great... I, I'm, I'm a, a big, big fan of Harry Styles. I loved 
I loved him when he was in One Direction. I actually thought that band was like phenomenal. It, they had the perfect member for every person's like or dislike, you know, amazing. But Harry's gone on to do like the most just unbelievable stuff. I mean, the last record, and it's funny because again, when I was in LA, I was working with a management company who had uh, Christina Perry, who had yes. a jar of hearts, a huge American. And she was doing her album with a guy called Kid Harpoon. And Kid Harpoon randomly is the guy that has basically done the last album with Harry Styles. Okay. So I love him and I love his song, which is called As It Was, which is one of the songs off his record. Yes. So I, I generally listen to that quite a lot. I've I've also got a couple of other great songs on his album, but As It Was is an amazing track. I really, really love it. There's a new artist currently coming through the rafters now called Me Me Webb. And she's massive. Like she's she's just she's she's got a brilliant voice. She's got a song called Ghost of You, which is probably her biggest hit so far. It's again, it's about a breakup. I kind of like those moving on relationship songs, you know. So they're they're two kind of artists that I love from now, yep. from years and years and but from years and years ago. I think one of the biggest artists who I love, I just love a story, is Tina Turner. You know, yes. unbelievable vocals. And and what love got to do with it, which is just, <laughs> it's it's an amazing, you know, I, as I said, I go back to all the kind of like moving on from relationships and just kind of getting out of toxic situations, you know, yeah. but she is, you know, I, I recently watched, uh, I've watched it a few times, but like the, the, the Ike and Tina story is just oh. like so sad. Yeah. It's bittersweet, but it's great because she ends up on top, yes. leaving all that toxicity behind and just excels beyond belief. And and even, I think she's 84 now, and she's still, she looks amazing. You know, her voice yeah. has gone a bit now, but she's just, I love those icons. I love those legendary icons that are still thankfully here. Going on to someone that isn't here anymore, and it's a travesty, is David Bowie. Absolutely yeah. loved his music. I really like Starman, but I, but I also, Starman's probably one of my favourite songs, because I'm also about space. I love to think that we're not the only people surviving. And at the moment, <laughs> there seems to be things landing on planet Earth. So yeah. and no one knows what what yes. that is. So <laughs> quite interesting, you know. Yeah, one more, which is a bit bit of a weird one. Not weird, but people will be like, it's quite old-fashioned, but Lady in Red by Chris the Bear. Oh, okay. I love it. It's a great, great song. And Beautiful. it's weird because... I was in Liverpool not so long ago in one of my favourite Chinese restaurants and they know I'm a singer. And I, di I didn't even recognise him because he was with his wife and it was all very in the corner. And the manager went, do you know who he is over there? And I went, well, not really, no, but I, he looks familiar. He went, it's Christopher. I went, oh my God, you're joking, aren't you? So I went over and said hello. And he said, oh, we always come here the day before. He said, I'm playing at the, the Royal Philharmonic tomorrow night. I said, funny enough, I'm there next month. I'm on with Anastasia, uh, Will Young. And he was like, oh, my goodness. It was just nice to see him there. But yeah, that song, Lazy and Red, it's a, it, it's a beautifully written song and mm. probably his most famous song that he ever did, you know. Yeah. I have one foot in the, in the new age music and one foot in kind of the, the old classics, you know. Which it should be. Everyone should have a little bit of taste yeah, of everywhere. Absolutely. Chris, the podcast is listened to throughout the world. My main listening audience is the US, the UK and Australia. As a final message to the listening audience, what would you like to say? I would like to say to all your fabulous listeners, I am a relatively new artist with, a, with, with my first album, which is out. And if you would love to listen to it, which I would love you to, send me a little DM message. Tell me how you, you know, if there's any favorite songs that you like or not. 
you can get it all on chrisjamesmusic.com and that's with a K, K-R-I-S, jamesmusic.com. Be very interested because one of the greatest things about podcasts and certainly Spotify internationally is 20 years ago, you could put an album out and you would only really get it feedback from that territory whereas now i get messages from all over the world and the weirdest thing was i was at paddington station about six months ago and these young kids were looking at me and i thought i don't ever go what are you looking at just in case you know not like that like yeah, not, yeah. You know, some people are like why do they keep looking at me i never really think that because i never know if i've done a show maybe they recognize me so you always go hello and these kids literally they kept coming closer and closer and closer and it's the weirdest thing ever you're like I say kids, you know, 15, 16. And so eventually they kept staring, and I just went, are you okay? And they went, picture? I went, you want a picture with me? And they were like, yeah. And I'm like, this is weird. They went, of course you can have a picture. So I have a picture with them, and it transpired that they were from Czechoslovakia. And I had a song that peaked in in the Czechoslovakia. And so they knew it, and the mum knew me, and it was just weird to think, like, that people so far away can get your music. And I just so I, I, I love anyone that is from another territory that can reach out. So all your lovely listeners, if you love a song, let me know about it. I'd love to hear from you for sure. So as Chris says, reach out, DM and listen to his music. This is Celeb Savant signing out with Chris James. (laughs) 